0: So, we are continuing our series called God's Master Plan. We are in week five. Very excited about this series. It's the general overview of what in the world's going on. And we started by asking this question. What is God trying to do? It's a very important question to have the answer for. And there's a very specific answer to this question. And here's the answer. I'm going to tell you. God is trying to establish His kingdom. The question, what is God trying to do? The answer is, God is trying to establish His kingdom. Now, what do you mean trying? Doesn't He just speak and it is? Well, the problem with the kingdom is He wants it full of intelligent, creative, free-willed beings that can go their own way. And so, uh that messes up God's kingdom. Because in God's kingdom, is somebody going to steal from you? No. So when these creatures use their creative, intelligent, free-willed capacity to steal from others, does that mess up the kingdom? Absolutely, because that's not God's kingdom. How about, is somebody ever going to lie to you in God's kingdom? No. So if we use our capacities of freedom to lie, we're destroying God's kingdom. Because that's not part of the kingdom. And so... It takes our cooperation with God for God's kingdom to be established. If we don't cooperate, if we don't do what He asks us to do, it ruins God's kingdom. Now let me ask you this question. Have you ever done something that you knew wasn't God's will for you? All of us have, so we know that God's will isn't always done, right? (laughs) Because we have personally not done it. And then that messes everything up. Causes all kinds of problems. And so, uh, we looked at how God has tried to, and again, tongue in cheek, tried. Does God know the end from the beginning? Absolutely. So, I believe that history is showing us that there's only one way this is going to work. And God knew that from before creation. Um, But, can you just make heaven? God did that, put all the angels in there, and there was war in heaven. Satan and a third of the angels rebelled. There was war in heaven. So, we need to be here. Because when you just start with heaven, it destroys heaven. And that's horrifying. So they had kicked out the devil and his angels. That war that was going on in heaven, of course, is now going on here on earth. Still today. Then, Adam and Eve, how about we just make a little kingdom that's very simple and easy. So start start easy. One rule, two people We ought to be able to succeed with that, right? They broke the one rule. Everything went terrible. The first kids in the first family, one murdered the other one. I mean, it just went bad super fast. How about just get rid of all the bad people? Have you ever thought that? God, why don't you just get rid of these bad people? Well, that's Noah's flood, right? Kill all the bad people. How'd that go? Well, the eight that were left over didn't quite do a whole lot better than everybody else anyway, so that didn't really work. How about, okay, instead of killing the bad people, let's just make the A-team. Let's take the cool, awesome, best people on the planet, and let's make the kingdom with them. That's Abraham. Did that work? (sighs) Messes again. Now we're in in Egypt, in bondage, slavery. Um, They need to be delivered. How about... You know, Abraham was a man of faith, but God didn't give him a list of rules. Here's what you need to do. How about the list of rules? Wouldn't that be helpful? God just flat out tell people, here's what you need to do. That's Moses. All right, well, that turned into legalism and a big mess and pulled people away from God just as much as anything else. Big mess. All right, so then we get the plan of redemption. We get the Savior born in a manger, that the plan isn't kill the bad people or separate the bad people out so that we can just have the good people over here, but to take people and redeem them. So that instead of someone who has done wrong, who is separated from God, just being destroyed or or pushed away, that person is redeemed, bought back, cleansed and made worthy to be part of the kingdom of God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are brought into God's family, even though we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, because that price was paid by Jesus on the cross. That's the plan of redemption. I like that plan. Then we talked about what your job is in God's master plan. Your job is to follow Christ. Very simple. Your job is to follow Christ. And I broke that up into three things just to make it somewhat simple to understand. uh, For me, the first way we follow Christ is into a relationship with God. Jesus had a close relationship with His Heavenly Father. Amen? He prayed. he, He even said He only does what He sees His Father doing. He had a close relationship with His Father, and we follow Christ into a close relationship with the God of the universe. It's awesome. We also follow Christ into a life of righteousness. Righteousness is a kind of a somewhat maligned word, but I like the word. Rightness is what it means, doing the right thing. So instead of lying, you tell the truth. Instead of stealing, you give. You know, instead of cutting people down behind their back, you build them up. Instead of being a a hindrance and doing the wrong things with a particular religious belief system that seems irrelevant to your life, instead of that, you do the right things. So you follow Christ into doing right. And then the third way we follow Christ is we follow Christ into a purpose for our lives. A life of significance, a life of meaning, a life that has eternal benefits. Not just for us, but for those we can touch. That's a significant thing. So our job is to follow Christ. Last week, we did fire and brimstone. And people showed up this week too! That is so great! We covered things like Luke 19.27, which is quite heinous. Look at this. So this is, this is at the end of the... Uh, the parable of the minas, and there were people who didn't want Jesus to be king. And he was made king, like he has been made king. And those who didn't want to follow him, who didn't want him to be king, Jesus says, bring those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. That's wildly harsh, right? Right? Not just destroy them, but I want to watch that. I want to be there. It's very, very strong. So, we did fire and brimstone. That was a good time. Understand, God will establish His kingdom. And if you'll get in line with that, awesome. You are a co-heir with Christ. If you refuse that, there's the bad news. Take the good news. Way better. This week, we're going to talk about our job. So let's pray a little bit more, get ourselves into some new material. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy scriptures. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you that you don't leave us here to wander around do the best we can, but you guide us by your spirit and you guide us by your word. Help us to grab hold of your truth. Help us to see something today that we can get a hold of to be able to serve you better. Bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So if my job personally is to follow Christ, if your job personally is to follow Christ, what's our job? You know, we have a job as a group. What's our job? When Jesus talked to individuals, he said, follow me. When he talked to the group, he gave them the great commission. And that best rendition of that is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Of course, this is all over the scriptures, this concept, but this is just the clearest a uh, statement of it, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20 Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, do we have the tools we need? <laughs> if we're with Christ and all authority on heaven and earth has been given to Him, we should be able to do okay. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our job. It's not my job. It's not your job individually. This is our job. We are to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations Baptize them, initiate them into the group, call them brother, call them sister, bring them in, and then teach them to obey everything that Christ has commanded us, that of course we are perfectly following. Well, we want to at least be making progress because hypocrites don't spread the gospel very well. All right that came out kind of mean so <laughs> all right remember romans 8:17 we talked about that last several weeks romans 8:17 again now if we are children then we are heirs heirs of god and co-heirs with christ if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory we talked about being heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That's awesome. What are Christ's sufferings? How did Christ suffer? Now, I use this as an example all the time. If I say something mean to my wife, and then I have trouble at home, I'm suffering from a bad home, home life, home experience, is that sharing in Christ's sufferings? I am suffering. Am I sharing in Christ's sufferings? Absolutely not. I have just created my own suffering. I am the author of that suffering. I would just be suffering for my own sin, my own mistakes, my own stupidity, and it has nothing to do with God. It's just me doing dumb stuff and facing the consequences of that dumb stuff. Okay, How do we share in His sufferings, in Christ's sufferings? What did He suffer for? He suffered for the kingdom. He suffered for us individually. He suffered for the church body as a whole. He suffered for the kingdom of God. He fought the fight to do God's will and to see God's purposes come forth. Those were his sufferings. And those are the sufferings we share in if we are going to do our job corporately to do the Great Commission to advance the kingdom of god now god is very interested in us being successful in advancing the kingdom he wants us to do this if we don't he doesn't like that have you read that in the scriptures if you go through the scriptures you'll see boy that like with the parable of the minas the dude who came back with just here's your mina that you gave me how did how did the uh, the king respond to that was he happy with that well great thanks for not stealing from me. No he was he was mad. He was not happy. It's like take that away from him. You know, he he was not happy because of the lack of productivity. Um John chapter 15 the vine and the branches, let's read through this. How does God respond to a lack of productivity? This again is Jesus telling this parable. Yes. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. Those two verses are probably good. You can read the rest of chapter 15 if you want to, but what does he say about branches that don't bear fruit? He cuts them off. Well, that's very bad, right? Again, I don't, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time developing a theology on this, but that's something to avoid. Where are those branches? What does it say? He cuts off every branch in me. Again, I don't need to create a whole theology on that, but I want to avoid that. I don't want to be a branch in Him that bears no fruit. That's not a place I want to be. I don't want to find out in more detail what that means. I just want to bear fruit. Amen? Let's bear fruit. Um, <laughs> I think sometimes Christians can get confused on what their purpose is. Uh, did you know our purpose is to advance the kingdom of God? Especially corporately, we do our peace. That's us bearing fruit, our branch bearing fruit. Um seems sometimes christians to me they think their job is to be a connoisseur of religious services you right go to church and evaluate if it was good or not does that do does that do the kingdom any good no what is the value in that oh i thought that was good i thought well big deal our job is to advance the kingdom to go into all the world make disciples of all nations Baptize and teach. And teach to obey, not just teach concepts, but live it out. That's our job. In Can you just put Matthew 15.30 up there? Just that one verse? This is at the end of the parable of the talents. So the person who didn't accomplish anything with their talent, this is what the parable ends with. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, this is a a person who was given something from God, supposed to put it to use, didn't put it to use, didn't waste it, still had it, didn't put it to use, and this is the response. When the Lord comes back, throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Of course, the ones who did produce, got the well-done good and faithful servant come in and share your master's happiness i want that now then the last one this is one of my favorites matthew 21:43 jesus is yelling at the pharisees he's yelling at the religious people um he does that a lot and he says in matthew 21:43 therefore i tell you that the kingdom of god will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. The religious people of the day had taken the glorious truth of God and made it an oppressive religious system. And so he says, you don't get to have the kingdom anymore. I'm going to give it to somebody else who's going to do with the truth of God what should happen with the truth of God. And this, of course, happens to this day all the time. If a, if a particular local church is producing fruit for the kingdom, what happens? Church is growing, things are happening, God's touching people's lives, people are conquering things in their life, progress is being made, the kingdom is advancing. But if it fades off into just nothingness, where the kingdom isn't being advanced, then it's taken away and given to somebody else. That's how that goes. Let's produce fruit. Amen? Why is God so harsh on this stuff? I mean, isn't it? Why so harsh? Let me let me uh, tell you a, a mental picture I had in my mind, because, you know, I grew up not in church as an unbeliever, basically as an atheist. I thought I was an agnostic, but when I became a Christian, I realized I was an atheist, because there was no room in my thoughts for the possibility of God existing, so that's an atheist. Um and then I found out God was real. Heaven and hell are real. The promise of salvation is real. And today is the day of salvation where people have the opportunity to be able to go from death to life. Then that, sh- that period of time is short. And for a good number of people on this planet, today is their last day. So whenever Jesus comes, today is somebody's last day. So, I I pictured the earth and all its people as a as a high rise uh, building, you know, like a 50-story building with all these people in it. And there's a fire on the 15th floor. You know, and there's all these people in danger. Because if you're on floor 20 and there's a fire on 15, you're in trouble, right? And there's a group of people that realized there was a fire and they got out. Hallelujah! And so they went across the street, had a potluck, and started singing songs. Well, what about all the other people? You know, like ah, don't don't do that. You know, I mean that that's fine. You know what I mean? This is a this is a marathon, not a sprint. But but wow! Don't forget about the rest of the people in the whole building. The things on fire. This ship is going down. God loves everybody in the whole building, not just the people across the street having a potluck singing songs. So He wants fruit for the kingdom because He wants them free. He's not okay with them going down with the ship. And we need to not be okay with that either. That's why God is so harsh with stuff like that. Because today is the day of salvation. And today is a lot of people's last day. Let's do what we can. To advance the kingdom. I'm going to cover five things that stop people from working towards the group goal of the Great Commission. Now maybe you've thought of the Great Commission as your individual responsibility. Let me tell you, it is the group's responsibility. Yes, you may share your faith. You may even be called to become an evangelist and speak in big meetings or whatever. Everybody has the opportunity to share their faith periodically, absolutely, uh, to witness as to what God has done for them. But the Great Commission is the group's job. It's not the individual's job. The individual follows Christ. That will involve sharing your faith and things like that. Part of the sharing in his sufferings, giving your testimony, things like that. But the Great Commission is the group job. So you've got to be in the group to do the group job. So, what are five things that stop people, that can stop people, from working towards accomplishing the Great Commission in the church, in the group? Number one, the light within you has faded or gone out. The light within you has faded or gone out. Have you ever had a time where spiritually you are just on cloud nine? you are walking with God, you pray and get clarity on things instantaneously, and you just feel like it's all going good. Have you had times where, wow, you read the Bible and you're just like, there's got to be something good in here somewhere. And you pray and you just think, I'm sitting here by myself. And you think, what's even the use of this? Have you had those moments? Well, how motivated are you going to be to jump into the group goal when you're in that weakened state. I tell you, this is a group thing because we need each other's help when we start to sink. Man, oh man. And guess what? I know I've experienced it and I'm the preacher guy. (laughs) I've sank. And I've needed people to help me up. Not just be mad at me because I'm the preacher guy and I'm sinking. You know, preachers shouldn't sink. You know, Don't just get mad. Help. (laughs) And the same thing with the people next to you. With your brothers and sisters in Christ or whoever. Lift them up. Sometimes we start to sink. And when we start to sink, we're not going to be producing fruit. So we're going to need help. We need to get reconnected with God, reinvigorated, and keep our spiritual fervor. So the first thing that can slow people down is the light inside of them fades. Number two, people don't jump into the Great Commission in the group, do the group's job, our job, because the group is flawed. Have you noticed that the church is flawed? Generally, what I've seen, people's response to that is to disengage. What a bunch of goofballs, I will disengage. So I didn't use my talent because the other people who were using theirs were goofballs. How's that going to go? Here's what you gave me. I saved it for you. But I couldn't use it because the other people were goofballs. They were hypocrites and fools and I didn't want to hang out with them so I didn't use my talent. The building's on fire. (laughs) The solution to that is Quit caring that the thing is that the church is flawed. Let's get to work. Big deal. You know, what I mean, if you're if you're storming the beaches of Normandy and you look at the guy next to you, oh, your boots untied. Up, I'm out of here. You know, I mean, like that's so you know, oh, you dropped your pack in the water. Uh, you know, what I mean, you're just gonna tr- you're just gonna try to get to where you're supposed to go. All the people around you are having their own trouble too. Well, this is a group thing. Everybody else is having problems. Get over that and let's get to work in advancing the kingdom of God because you're not going to find a perfect church. And I heard somebody one time say, and if you do, don't go because you don't want to ruin it. (laughs) But man, doesn't that make you want to pull back when you look at the flawed group? Don't pull back when you see a flaw in the body of Christ. Number three, feelings of unworthiness or inadequacy or personal sin, things like that. Of course, we can disqualify ourselves like Judas did, got all offended because Jesus got an expensive present and uh, sold Jesus off. I mean, that's bad news. You don't want to be doing that. But all of us have a sense, I think, of, man, can I really serve God? I mean, am I able to do that? You know, like, I'm not good enough for that. Well, I'm going to help you with this. You just aren't good enough. All right? So, quit worrying about it. He has made a way for you. You don't have to do it yourself. You don't have to be worthy. You don't have to be good enough. He will take care of that for you. So, that sense of inadequacy is very accurate. But, there is also the grace of God. So, hallelujah. For that, he will see us through. Um, you know, in third grade, I had to stay in from recess because my teacher found out I couldn't spell my name. So she was like, you, you have to stay in from recess and write your name a hundred times. I'm like, okay, yeah. Uh, it, I didn't get to go to normal school for reading until sixth grade. And then they didn't make me do the homework, which was awesome. Everybody else complained about that. but um, I mean, I was really behind. Now, in math, i tear you up. You know what I mean? Like flashcards, boom, you're done. 56, you know, I was good at that. But, boy, I was terrible at stuff that had letters in it. And then they took my math and they put letters in it. Why did they do that? You know? But, life is rough, isn't it? So I grew up with that. And now what do I do? I read this in front of people for my job. That's amazing. You know, I get to read the holiest words ever written. And share them with people who just show up and sit in a chair. What a blessing that is. Do I have that strength on my... I know that's not something I'm good at. But God has... I seriously believe my brain was healed to an extent. But I also worked pretty hard to to do that. But guess what? You might feel unworthy and inadequate to serve God. And you are. But get over it because there's the grace of God. So hallelujah for that. Number four. Past failures. Have you ever enthusiastically jumped out to serve the Lord and then you fell flat on your face? And then you realize, oh, this isn't nearly as fun as those testimonies I heard. You know, like, where's the thousands of people getting saved and people laying on the ground and weeping to the Lord? You know, what? hey, man, wait a minute. Let me tell you, I became the the Youth for Christ Campus Life Director for the Big Fork School District a number of years ago, way back in the day. And so we're going to start having Wednesday night Campus Life meetings, getting the kids together. It's a bridge ministry between you know, the church and the secular world. So you go to the secular world and you bring people into a place where they can hear about Christ in a very simple way. And so I went to the high school building relationships with all the kids and having a great time and said, hey guys, we're going to start campus life up again. It had been a few years since it had been going. We're going to have a meeting on Wednesday night. Come on in. It's going to be great. And they're like, "Yes, sweet. We'll see you there. How many people came? Zero. So I went to the school the next week. Hanging out, building relationships, went there at lunchtime. Hey, guys, how you doing? We've got a pool table. we got a foosball table. It's going to be great. Man, we'll see you there. All right, dude. How many people came? Zero. <laughs> then the next week, I went to the school. Hey, guys, how you doing? It's going to be great. We're going to have a campus life meeting. we got a pool. we got ping pong table, too. It, and then uh, how many people came? Seven. And then the next week, we had like 25. It's no fun when no one shows up. It's no fun when you've been going for a couple weeks, and you're averaging zero. You know? But somebody one time told me that faith is the ability to go from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. Learn the lesson, don't waste the pain, but realize sometimes it just doesn't happen. But don't quit. Past failures will cause us to pull back. Just don't don't. Realize that's part of the deal. And have people around you that can encourage you. Last one, I better hurry, is Saul's armor. Remember David and Goliath? You guys heard about that guy? Shepherd boy shows up and the, the Philistines are all hassling the Israelites and this big, mean guy comes out and curses God and makes fun of the children of Abraham day after day after day. And, and uh, this kid, David, is there and he's bringing food to his brothers who are supposed to be doing something and they're just watching and scared. and, and uh, Actually, I'm going to invite the prayer team up while I tell this story so that I can have people ready to pray. This will be the closing story. Um, Because we always have personal prayer time at the end. And we need to be praying for each other, right? We need to receive prayer. So, I've got my prayer team up here. We'll pray with you and believe God for good things. But, so this, this David, this young man, teenager probably, shows up, and he's like, that, that Goliath dude, he needs to be dealt with. God wants to take him out. And uh, they say, well, yeah, if you take him out, you get to marry the king's daughter. And he's like, really? I mean, I get that, and I get to do what God wants to have happen. All right, I'm in. And for whatever reason, they decide, all right, David's our man. We're going to send him out against Goliath. And so they get, they bring him to King Saul, and Saul's like, dude, you're going to need some help. Uh, Let's put my armor on you. And so David puts on the king's battle armor and has the king's big sword. And he's walking around in this, and he's like, this isn't going to work. I can't do this because I'm not used to it. But you know what I can do? I can go to the river over there and get me a smooth stone And then four more that I don't need and bring my sling and I think I'll be just fine. As far as I know, that hadn't crossed anybody's mind. Let's send a kid out with a sling and a stone. But who was David? He wasn't Saul. He wasn't an armored up sword guy. He was a sling and a stone guy. How'd it go? Went great. Great. What if he'd have gone out in Saul's armor? I think it had been a disaster. Sometimes, when we want to serve God, a way of serving God is imposed upon us that isn't us. And that's Saul's armor. You're unique, be you. Have the confidence to be you. Why did God make you? Because He needed you. Not because he needed you to copy somebody else. He needed you to be you. So be you. We put on Saul's armor. We try to go. It doesn't work. Because it doesn't fit. And we're not used to it. And it's not who we are. Then we have the failures and we pull back. See what God's call is for you. And do it. Our job is to advance the kingdom. And we're going to need some help with that, right? So that's what we're going to talk about next week. We have a helper. We're going to talk about our helper. Well, let's close. And I'll invite people to come up for prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We thank you, Lord, that you care for every human being on this planet. That your desire is to see the plan of redemption repeated in every life on this planet. Lord, help us to share that burden with you not to be crushed by it, but to know we can do our part. By Your grace, we can do our part to accomplish the Great Commission, to work towards Your kingdom's advancement. Lord, help us to have faith and to stand in Your truth. I pray encouragement over each one of us. Help us to walk with You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can come on down for personal prayer. Uh, Prayer team would love to pray with you for whatever needs you may have. Uh, Otherwise, you are dismissed. Say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord this morning.